Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, March 18th 2021 we are at the dawn the eve of march madness well really technically we're there because we got play-in games today and without wasting any further time we've got our correspondent directly from the mackey field house there to cover for us a game where his brother's a part of it we're talking of course about keeneland dan cronin keeneland dan how are you buddy uh, not bad. A little, little anxious, you know. It's a new season, and everybody's got a big chance, you know. Records are zero zero, so got to play well. The, the one thing about the play-in game, though, Mike, that a lot of people don't know is there's been a couple teams go- come from the play-in game to the Final Four. So it can happen if you can start getting on a roll. You win that first game, you got a little advantage because you've already played. You could steal that second game, and next thing you know, you're, you could be in the Sweet 16 before you know it. You know, you make some good points, and that's why they call it March Madness. So, for those who don't know, Keeneland Dan, Dan Cronin, his brother is Mick Cronin, the head coach for UCLA Bruins, and they are a part of the playing game against MSU. I assume MSU, since they're around the corner for you and you're a huge college basketball fan and analyst, you know a little bit about them. What are... What are Michigan State's strengths and weaknesses? Well, their, their strength is their defense and their toughness. Their weakness is they do not, this team does not shoot the ball well at all. I think they shot 30, 31% from the three-point line, and they have really struggled to score this year. Uh, so a lot of their losses, they haven't even reached 60. So the whole game plan I know for UCLA is the limit Henry, who is their best player, small forward, about six seven. Uh, the Hauser kid is a, is the only guy on the team that can really shoot it if you leave him open. And then Rocket Watts, the point guard, he's trying to play the point, but he's really not a point guard. But he's just a tough, tough kid. If you could slow those three guys down, they can't get to sixty without them. So you just can't let those three guys, you know, each get twenty. You know, you hold them to 10 or 12 each, and you got a big chance to win this game. Now, Keelan, Dan, we're speaking to live from Indy, really from West Lafayette. He is there to root on his brother, of course, the head coach of the UCLA Bruins. And Keelan, Dan is with a bunch of family right now as they're about to enter the arena shortly here. So we only have a few moments with him. Give us kind of the flow of the game and what do you expect to happen? Well, I expect it to be a low-scoring game. I, I expect it to be close. And I think the key to UCLA winning, they just got to shoot the three well. You know, there's been games that UCLA's had 10, 12, three, you know, made threes, and then there's been games with three or four of them. But on paper, you know, we're one of the better three-point shooting teams in the country. And I think the lead early in the game could be taken to where you can get six or eight-point lead and take a little bit of control of the game if you just come out and make some shots. And I think that's the, the major key. And then you got to match their intensity on the, on the offense, defense, or rebounding, because that's one thing Michigan State can really do is rebound. So if you can limit their second chance points, make them shoot a, you know, a tough shot, not wide open, 
and then grind it out. Mick is really good in these grind out type games. So I would be surprised at the five minute mark, you know, of going down the stretch if this game isn't like 55 55 with four or five minutes to play. And then you just got to figure out how to, how to get it done at the end, which since the injuries UCLA has really struggled, you know, with no Hill and no Smith getting it done at the end of games, but they're going to be in that position again. It's just a matter of can Tiger get it done? And Jaime, you know, Hawkes make an open shot when, when the game's on the line. I mean, that, that kind of stuff's going to be monster. It's not going to be 85 to 80. It's going to be somewhere in that 65 to 60 range. And you just got to grind out the plays down the stretch to win it. And I think Vegas has got it right. They got Michigan State a slight favorite. But I think UCLA has more upside. And if they come out winging and make some shots, I really think UCLA can win. Looks like UCLA can still get plus two, and the over-under is set at 133.5. That could be a nice little parlay, UCLA, and going the under. You hope that there's no overtime, of course. Last thing for you, do you think that even with UCLA having a better record than Michigan State, is this point spread more about the analytics or maybe a little bit of East Coast bias where they're looking into kind of like a morning lines maker in horse racing where they think just because there is a heavy East Coast bias that most of the money is going to come in on Michigan. We've got to make it a little bit more appealing for UCLA. Yeah. And what does that mean for the Pac-12 overall? Yeah, and what does that mean for the Pac-12 overall? Do you think they're a good conference this year? Can any of these teams make a run, SC, Oregon, Oregon State, Colorado? Uh, SC can't. If SC makes shots, so as good as Mobley is, if their guards can make shots, they can advance. Oregon, they got to make shots, too. They're a little bit small and erratic to make it to make a run but to get back to your point about the spread i just think they made michigan state a slight favorite because we're in big 10 territory they've already played mm-hmm. on the floor their, their juniors and seniors have played in this arena two three four times you know where our guys just flew across the country we got to practice one time on the floor we've never been in the arena i mean if that's worth a couple points i think it probably is and uh i think that's why they made michigan state favorite if this was a true you know, game like in Vegas or something, it would probably have been pick them. Uh, but I think they gave a couple points because we're, we're sitting here in Big Ten country. Makes sense to me. You know, we I've got so many questions for you, Dan, and want to talk to you also about upcoming horse racing meets, et cetera. We'll have to do this again. I know you're with family right now. You guys are excited, and, and I'm just uh, really, really happy, I'll just say, and, and appreciative that you were able to come Thank on you. with us out in front of the Mackey Arena. Good luck to UCLA tonight. I hope the best for you, your family, and Mick. Thank you. Tell Gino good luck with the USC Trojans. Hopefully one of us can make a run. (laughs) Will do, brother. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you. That is Keeneland Dan, who covers horse racing really, really well. He does uh, part. He's a part of the in-house feed for Turfway Park for any horse racing fans that play Turfway and watch that feed but like his name suggests, Keeneland Dan, Keeneland is where his prowess is at. So anytime you see him talking about picks in Keeneland, or if you want to buy his picks, um, that's the man. He knows all the angles over there. He's been covering it forever. He's kind of from that neck of the woods. I believe he lives near, well, I know he lives sort of in that area, maybe Cincinnati. I don't know. I'll have to ask him next time that he's back on exactly where he's from so there you have it that's one of the play-in games special treat we're able to bring it to you live right before tip-off technically we really still have a couple of hours because they're playing let's see here drake and michigan and uh, wichita state are playing right now 
Wichita State is out to a, a nice, comfortable lead of uh, 10 points late in the first half. And uh, then we've got a game that's late in the second half. Looks like Texas Southern has pretty much, you know what? I think that's for the, that's not for the March Madness. That's for the NIT, I believe. So the games tonight are Drake and Wichita State and uh, UCLA and Michigan State and Appalachian State and Norfolk. No, I was wrong. It is part of the March Madness tourney. Texas Southern and Mount St. Mary's is for the play-in game for the 16 spots. So we've got two games for the 16 between the 16 seeds, two games between the 11 seeds. These will go into the first round format winners of each of these four games. Like Gino mentioned last week, to, today would normally be the first round matchups of March Madness. You know how it is. Let me re- refresh your memory. We typically wake up at 9 in the morning. And we got games all day, all night, until about 10, 10, 15, 10, 30 p.m. You know, the last game on True TV <laughs> or uh, CBS. And it's wall-to-wall March Madness basketball coverage. A lot of fun. So we'll have that starting tomorrow. And today is the playing game. I think the whole gist of that is COVID-related and trying to kind of regionalize the games, but also to make it where your first, your playing games and your first round are consecutive, don't have to have too much traveling in hotels, et cetera. And then on through the second round games, which will take us through Monday night, I believe. So speaking of March Madness, we have our annual NCAA March Madness tournament pool bracket, whatever you want to call it. It's free to join. I tweeted it out. Gino Bacola tweeted it, tweeted it out. It's free to join. There's cash prizes. Uh, last year, the year before, the year before that, each year we had more and more and more participants. So it's been a lot of fun to compete against a whole slew of people, but not so big where you're entering, you know, one of these national contests or like a fan duel or something like that, where you're competing against you know, 3 million entrants or something like that. We're talking a nice number, you know, in the hundreds, in the low hundreds. So you really have a legitimate chance to be able to make up ground if you fall behind uh, or, you know, to keep looking over your shoulder if you've got a lead, um, but know that it can it can stay. I don't know if any of you guys have played any of those fan duel things, but you you fall behind, it is impossible to make up ground. I mean, literally, you're going to have to, like, run the table and hope that every one of your long shots comes in just to be able to have a shot in, in one of those major pools or contests that are, you know, nationwide, uh, a worldwide pool of applicants, so to speak. Um, that's, you know, versus a normal office pool, maybe you got 20, 25 people in there. If you're in a big company or a bigger company, maybe it's in the hundreds. I think this is kind of more uh, along those lines, uh, our March Madness pool, you know, I'd have to look up the numbers, but I know we've been in the in the hundreds. It's a lot of fun. So most importantly, it's free. You don't have to spend a single penny on it. And we utilize the ESPN protocol for our attorney. So let's keep it moving. We're going to be talking today about the American League East. We're going to preview the AL East. Uh, if, for the listeners who have tuned in the last few weeks, 
We started off with the NL East, went through team-by-team analysis. Now, we didn't give out our picks, uh, our winners, because that's going to be in our official baseball preview show, which is going to be right before opening day. So it'll be the Thursday before opening day. And we do that because you know how it is in spring training. There's a lot that can happen. There's a lot of storylines. There's still a few guys unsigned. But most importantly, there are some injuries that do go on. Guys don't move up the depth chart, so to speak, that much during spring training. There are some battles, of course. Most of the battles, though, are going to be for more at-bats and more playing time. So maybe if you've got a platoon situation in a right field, uh, maybe one guy establishes himself to be the better hitter and to be able to get more ABs during the regular season. So instead of a, a straight down the middle, you know, maybe 280, 300 at bats per person platoon, maybe it's more like 425 to 150 type of platoon. And then, of course, the other factor is the, your glove. You know, what kind of uh, defense do you bring to the table? Are you with the safer defensive bet? later in the game when you've got a lead or when you cannot afford to give up any more runs. You see the lot with, uh, you know, right field, you know, maybe somebody with a cannon arm that can get us additional out when we need it late in the game. Those are all battles that we look out for. Um, And then, and then injuries. Are there any injuries, especially to closers, starting pitchers, key players, et cetera. You hate to see it during spring training, but typically speaking, you do see a couple of big names go on the DL. And so we'll put to put it all together, compute, and spit out the winners for each division. We usually give out MVPs and Cy Young Awards, Rookies of the Years, et cetera. And yeah, a little humble brag here, but we've, we've been pretty spot on. I'd say, you know, between Gino and myself, uh, one of us, if not both of us, typically has a pretty good uh prediction forecast um even for the award winners you know off the top of my mind i think i uh was able to nail the uh, rookie of the year the nl uh two seasons ago um and uh yeah that was pete alonzo of course with the new york mets didn't think that he was necessarily capable of hitting 50 plus home runs but i thought he was going to be a really really key player to uh try to snag in early in your fantasy baseball drafts, roots history, baseball, whatever you're a part of, uh, especially if you're in an NL only league like I am in to be able to nab somebody with 50 home runs when there's only two or three guys in the league that are even capable of pulling that off. That's a big deal. So we'll talk AL East. You know, typically it's been Boston and New York, Red Sox and the Yankees. Everybody knows about that rivalry. I don't need to set the table on that. But we've got, you know, a new shooter in the uh, Blue Jays and always forgotten about because they've really been the best team over the Yankees and the Red Sox, even though they grab all the headlines, are the Tampa Rays. You know, Tampa Rays represented the American League in the World Series last year. So that's going to be a very interesting division. I think the only team that you can eliminate, although you pop Diabas, I always mess up his last name. DiBiase, Pop DiBiase, who is on with us, who is a professional handicapper. He has his, the Orioles as kind of the the upstart sneaky team, at least when it pertains to gambling and win total over-unders. That's kind of the team that he's keying in on. But they have a very, very low you know, floor 
that they have to be able to pass up. I think it's like 63, 64 wins. Very achievable, of course, if you play some sound baseball during the course of the year. You could string off, string off, rattle off enough wins that you could break that, you know, low 60s, mid 60s win total. But outside of uh, the Orioles, I think each of these teams feels good going into 2021. Uh, even the Red Sox, who had a huge down year for a team that is a recent World Series winner, they've kind of retooled a little bit. And we'll talk a little bit about that. The Red Sox, obviously, are my beloved team. Geno's being the Dodgers, of course. But the Red Sox made some interesting moves. And now when we look at it, their entire outfield from that 2018 championship team, the three amigos who really, really got the Red Sox to where they got to. Of course, from left to right, I'm talking Jackie Bradley Jr. I'm talking Mookie Betts perennial MVP, MVP candidate, and Andrew Benatende, who actually played left field and Jackie Bradley ended up manning center and right field. Uh, they, they all they all have the ability to play all three positions. Uh, I'd say the only, maybe Benatende isn't really a traditional center fielder, but I think either of those guys could play the corner spots. They're all gone. JBJ, Betts, Benatende, but attendees traded to the Royals. Jackie Bradley Jr. was not offered a high enough free agent contract to stay with the Red Sox, so he ended up signing with the Brewers. I think that's a nice sneaky move for Milwaukee. And, of course, we all know Mookie Betts and the Dodgers traded to L.A. Part of that Verdugo trade that the Red Sox were able to bring in him and Jeter Downs and a couple other not so well-known prospects, but they're prospects nonetheless. So Verdugo obviously is going to be one of the the key outfielders that we're going to look at for the Red Sox this year because he traded Mookie Betts for him. So you better get something out of him. But yeah, like I said, the entire outfield is gone. And the first one that left with Bet was Betts. Well, he didn't leave, but you know what I mean? First departure was Mookie Betts and he did really well. And, After the commercial break, we'll talk a little bit about some of the things that he brought to the table, the Dodgers. Very interesting article about Mookie Betts in this week's or this month's GQ magazine. Um, He made some interesting comments. He shared some insight into that famous, uh, well-talked about, very initial meeting during spring training where he called over the guys after, I think, a day or two of spring training practices and made some observations about the Dodgers. And he was pretty spot on in retrospect as to, you know, he pretty much told it to them, you know, as it is like, hey, guys, there's a reason you guys are getting bounced late in the playoffs or in the World Series and not closing the deal. So we'll talk after the commercial break about what Mookie Betts said to the Dodgers when he was first during his first full spring training with them and why that made a difference for them getting to the World Series. I think Mookie Betts' comments probably went a long way. So interesting stuff in this week's uh, GQ magazine. So we'll talk a little bit about that right after the commercial break. And uh, Gino and I obviously will go over the entire American League East, like I mentioned. If we've got time, we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, NCAA March Madness Tournament. We started off with UCLA and Michigan State, of course, with Keeneland Dan. And we're going to talk about the rest of the Pac-12 teams, Because as I mentioned, as Dan mentioned, there is always an East Coast bias. 
And so we want to spend some time talking about Geno's beloved USC Trojans and Oregon, Oregon State, Colorado, maybe some of the West Coast teams like SDSU, and of course, the favorite Gonzaga. Stay with us. We will be right back after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Oh, we're back here on the Mike Abadir Show. We got a, a new guest on the show. I mean, I'm, I'm the, the co-host with Mike Abadir Show, but it's a, like it's a new guest coming in. Uh, Mike, hey, Gina, uh, welcome, to, welcome to this week's show. I was going to say, uh, Mike and Dan talking to a little NCAA March Madness with you this year on what's a, a little bit of a different schedule, Mike, because when we were, gosh, it's been three years now? Three years ago when we went? I guess so. Um, wow. Yeah, that, yeah. Because I think there was one. Th- there was a year when we didn't go. Right? It wasn't just two. The last tournament. I wow. It might have been. Must have been. But yeah, because you're right. When, when we, we did went, our live show. Yeah, we did the live show right Island. there from Treasure Island, and uh, the schedule used to be Thursday, Friday as the first two days. Uh, the first real two days when there were 16 games all throughout the day because of the the everybody being in Indianapolis this year and the schedule they wanted to try to I guess. Um, condense it as much as possible so um, they have all four of the play-in games going on right now 
you mentioned there's going to be one later. I'm I'm watching to see if USC is going to play Wichita State or uh, Drake. They play the winner of this game. And then it's tomorrow and Saturday where uh, I'll be kicking back at about 9 o'clock with my mimosa. Milo's heading over to Grandma's house for the day just so that way I, I don't have to worry about uh, about staying responsible so I can just watch, uh, watch my uh, basketball and March Madness all day long. Nice. Nice. Yeah, we were talking a little bit about that schedule change. A little bit different. It doesn't really affect me. No, personally too not much. really. It's not that dramatic. It's just a day shift. Actually, basically. it's probably cooler for a lot of people to have like the Saturday where you can kind of watch more games all day long than like on it. So it's, you basically flipped like a Thursday for like a Monday, really. So a lot of people get like that Saturday where they can watch a little bit more and it's Monday instead. So, yeah, it, it's fine. It actually works out the same. Yeah, I think I'll put it this way. It would have been great. You know, a few years ago when uh, when I worked at Condor Capital, when I was in an office wishing I wasn't in the right. office, I was one of those bold enough people to take a day off. Uh, so I, I couldn't because I, I was, you know, managing partner. So <laughs> I, I had an obligation to be there. But believe me, I didn't do any work. Mm-hmm. hope any of my partners don't hear this because I watched, <laughs> this the, uh, a- you know, with that app, you it's got that boss button. You click it. And it, and it, like you're watching it online, you click the boss button as if the boss is right behind you, and boom, it pulls back your your whatever you're working on that minute. So, uh, pretty innovative stuff from a CBS Sports line who started that feature. And but, uh, yeah, this is a fun like time of year. We always to, talk about it. Now oh, we sorry? can watch every game on TV. All the time. Think about everyone with True TV and CBS and TBS and I'm forgetting some S. But few times of the year where people figure out about True, like which channel is True TV? You know, they're like looking through it and they're watching. Um, So it's there are actually a couple of funny shows on there. Believe it. Yeah, actually, I agree. There's a couple. There's a a, a few things that I've uh, I've enjoyed on there. But this is a great couple days coming up. And uh, as we said last week, man, we know like baseball spring training is finishing up. Uh, we just got a few, like a, a month, month and a half left in the basketball season. Now we've got uh fairgrounds, uh, Louisiana Derby and all the preps coming up. Uh, that's this weekend. So this is one of those really cool times in sports where you've got uh Basketball, college basketball, hockey, uh, baseball ramping up right now. Really good stuff in horse racing. And then how about the NFL free agency, man? There's been a lot. It feels like the last couple of years we're getting like shorter and shorter deals for a lot of these players. And it's like even more and more movement. Really interesting that the uh, Chicago Bears moved on from Mitch Trubisky. It pretty much... They pretty much washed their hands of the situation and said, yeah, we drafted him. Yeah, the regime has been here, and he's won some games. He's probably taken us to the playoffs when we weren't really a, you know, constructed to be a playoff team necessarily. But then you retool with the Red Rifle? Yeah. I mean, it, it's, yeah. I guess he's an upgrade. He won't turn over the ball as much. I think you know what you're getting with Andy Dalton. Yeah, and you, and didn't, so and you didn't know with Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, you sort of wonder if maybe they're going to go like Andy Dalton and then maybe they draft a quarterback, you know, or maybe they try to go pick a young quarterback and kind of have him for a year or two sort of like work underneath um, a veteran like Dalton because um, he I, seems I to be of, like kind of like have the fits kind of character at least. Yeah, yeah, you know? right. That's a, that's a good comparison. He and he had some really good years for uh, for the Bengals. He, I just I think at this point it, it, he actually he struggled at the very beginning for Dallas, but then towards the second half of the season, he actually played pretty well um, for the for the most. Well, part. by the way, don't discount because one thing that happens in the NFL a lot that people really don't even know about is it's beyond just scouting reports. Gino, I've had a player 
where a team sought him out and it wasn't just because of what showed up on film. Like just say he didn't play much in the regular season and 95% of his snaps were in preseason. Right. Um, but a team kind of nabs him right away when he gets released or something. Typically that happens because one of the coaches on the coaching staff really, really liked the guy. I had a guy that was the odd man out with the Raiders in the, the running back situation when they had Marcel Reese and they had McFadden and they were pretty deep there. And the team straight up said, yeah, we are friends with, you know, Coach Skip. And he raved about him and said he wished he could keep him. And that's why we brought him in. So I guess where I'm going with that, Gino, is I wouldn't at all be surprised if the quarterback's coach or somebody on yep. the, the Dallas Cowboys said, this guy did wonders for Dak Prescott. Yeah, and if you guys him mentally or helped him with the film or something. You absolutely, know? because Dak Prescott was performing at his highest level ever. Why that was, I don't think it was because of the head coach that they got. You're right. It may not be a coincidence at all. A lot of times it's just the guys that you're in the room with that can help you out. Maybe that kind of a leader. Absolutely. We don't ever hear about that, right? Because you think, why would the Dallas Cowboys help the Chicago Bears? But it doesn't really work like that. Typically, it's you and I have worked together for many years on a certain coaching staff. And now you're over there and I'm over here still. And I'm like, gee, this guy was damn good. Yeah, We're not going to sign him. You guys really should do so. And that's what happens through these kind of bonds and friendships. Mm -hmm. So interesting move nonetheless. Also interesting to see who picked up Trubisky. I I think that'll be a very – it's a great spot for them because what one thing that happens a lot of times when you're uh, a a quarterback and and you have a backup quarterback that's completely different uh, style than you, it's it's – it's sort of hard when your backup comes in and your offense and everybody has been running sort of one system for a while. What's what's really nice about that uh, Trubisky backing up Josh Allen now is that if Allen were to get hurt at some point, because let's be honest, the way that he plays the game, he runs quite a bit. Could he downfield take a hit at any point? Absolutely. And he he doesn't – he's the one that probably doesn't go out of bounds nearly as much as he should. He kind of likes taking hits sometimes, and he gets he gets racked sometimes. So, you know – There's a Trubisky, lot like the uh, Baltimore model, right? With yeah, Lamar and RG3. Exactly. And, he's not yeah. a bad guy to come in with a lot of the similar skills as Allen. He can make a, a big throw here and there. He can use his feet. That's sort of when he's at his best, when he's running. I think it's a great spot. He could end up being like a really good backup quarterback and maybe – when the pressure's not on him all the time, um, week in, week out, he can progress himself individually, and then maybe in a few years he comes back somewhere and becomes a starter. I think that's I think that's a really really good point, and it's it's probably going to be a good fit. And we've seen we've seen a lot of that go on recently, right? We've seen where you have the backup get inserted and then get the big free agent contract, like Teddy Bridgewater. It's a classic Foles. example, right? Foles. Classic example. So we, we've seen comps for that. Um, I think Jameis Winston was hoping to be that guy, but he didn't get chosen to be the fill-in, right, when the Saints went with Hill. Uh, in most circumstances, it probably is like a Jameis Winston, and mm-hmm. then he's looking at that one-year deal to parlay off of it, and you know he goes 5-1 and one or whatever and then goes elsewhere. Uh, so we've seen that happen quite a bit. I was never super high on Mitch Trubisky in the first place. I don't even know why they drafted him so high. No, I mean, I me think either. They that was, they had such little three, film on four him. Years. It was one year. Yeah. It was one year. 15 games, but right? Four, not even of, of him, the sample size. And and you, you move up to get him when there were guys like Mahomes and Watt. And I, I honestly, 
that's what what for will forever haunt him and and the Bears for that is is not only the pick that they made, it's that who they could have picked instead of him. It's really funny because had if they drafted like, if the guys him behind in, in him the, were no good, it wouldn't hurt as bad, <laughs> right? Well, but here's the funny thing. Also, if they drafted him in the sixth round, seventh round, he'd be a darling fan favorite. Sure. This guy comes in, he runs he's hard, he throws, he's erratic, but man, he's, this guy is like, uh, what's his name from Jacksonville? May, Minshew. Um, yeah. Minshew, right? Like one of those types where exactly. they become, but if you get drafted in the first round and you're playing like that, you're hated. Very interesting because you don't really find that too much in any other sport where the draft round really, really generates the uh, fan expectation and the, uh, the the fan adornment that's by far and I think it's even the quarterback by far right like you guys in the NBA that could get picked high get get a little more leeway you know there's you, you kind of figure you're going to get a number two pick or three pick sometimes here that are bust but when you pick that franchise quarterback and you expect him to be your guy and he is a bust it's just a fan it's just something the fans have such well, a the hard funny time. thing about the NBA is I don't really view it as first and second round I kind of view it as like top three pick, top ten pick. Yeah, it is kind of like top three, you know, top five, top ten. Ten sort of through top, twenty-five. Yeah, you're right. You know? it is, it's more that way. In in the NFL, it sort of feels like individually, right? Like one, yeah. two, three, four. Like where, where well, you because are. You, because, because you have so many different positions. To fill. You can all – because if you play it safe – 99.9% of the time, if you go get a good lineman or a good like defensive back or something like that, they're going to be able to help your team no matter what. Even if they're not a 10 out of 10, even if they're a 4, they're still going to be a starter and like a, a piece that you can check off the list. If you get a bad quarterback that can't play and that hurts your team, you're done. Like you're, Oh, like, for sure. You're done for, for sure. a while. Yeah. And it's also more individual because... You have so many different positions on yep. the football field, but beyond that, you have positions within positions, right? You know, some teams like a specialized, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, and even like amongst offensive linemen, some teams like a uh, lighter, more athletic offensive lineman. You know, uh, to be yeah, a- average to be weight four, around the line you know? might be like three fourteen or something like that. Others want like a sturdier power line where maybe they're averaging about three hundred and twenty-four pounds uh, from left to right, and. Even, you know, with like linebackers, is he a 3-4 or 4-3 linebacker? So you have different positions within the same category. Same thing with maybe like a fullback. Is he more like an H-back and he play tight end? You know, you see a lot of those types. That's kind of the NFL version of kind of like a baseball utility man that can uh, serve a few different functions. So you probably have like, if you add them all up, probably like 30 different positions on the football field, including punt, punter, kicker, long snapper, et cetera. So it, may, it makes for definitely a very, very different type of draft, different feel for the expectation of the fans. And yeah, so it seems like every week, you know, we come to the show with a new move that was made by an NFL team. So very interesting to see where at the very beginning of uh, free agency, very interesting to see what's going to happen by next week. We've probably filled maybe 30% of the quarterback questions, so we still have a long ways to go. Yeah, and uh, one of the guys who, I mean, think about Fitzpatrick. If he would have been on Washington this past year, um, they might have been, I mean, they, they kept it as close with Tampa as anyone else did. And it wasn't even like Heineke played bad in that game either, but he's going to go in and, uh, and give them a little bit of a, um, you know, like a veteran presence there. Um, and now um, it's, it, it's, 
so weird with the timing of, of all of these um, allegations. And I'm, we've got to refer to the, everything right now as allegations against Deshaun Watson until anything is proven because, you know, that that's all it is right now. But, um, you know, all, all these, um, you know, rumors and I guess lawsuits being brought against him for negative things and, and maybe, um, you know, I, I think sexual assault um, in, at a time when he was the really hot name and everyone's talking about who's going to trade him and how he doesn't want to go for Houston. It's just the the timing of all of this was very, is very strange. Yeah, you know, I I don't know any anything about the situation. You yeah. know, I don't have any more insight than no, not you or anybody from because the media. Because that's a big dog. Like you, you wonder, and, and just from a strictly, we have no idea what happened in the situation. So we're just talking about this from a football standpoint, right? Like, what what is this? If you were a team that was thinking about making a move for him or if you were right now and then something like this comes out do you think twice about doing that and maybe going all in for a guy who you are gonna probably have to give up a, a lot of of you know and the future of your franchise to go get when there's something like that out there in the air i wonder because we're all well, i'll flip it around you know i think if it if we see a uh, team pursue him and you know in the next like two weeks that would tell me that that team did their heavy due diligence and agree. found that Absolutely. you know these allegations are, are going to be dropped these, or these don't teams, have any merit. They have enough people looking at what you're doing, your social media, your tweets. They know everything everybody's done. That's probably the most in-depth thing that they do around yeah. the league. I yeah. mean, it's like – have you ever watched Ray Donovan? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like a deeper file than what Ray Donovan gets on people. You know, when he finds out, you know, what's what's the area to target so that we can get this person in trouble or or uh, you know, they hold know something over their head all or your strengths blackmail. Individually, oh everything. yeah, they know all of that stuff. I <laughs> a quick funny story. Uh, at the combine, I actually had a an offensive lineman who was there. Uh, he was the best in the uh, Mountain West. Literally Number one standout. And they asked him, they're like, so if you go to the NFL, are you going to be getting in more bar fights? And I'm talking like he played at a school where pretty much, I don't know, there might be 10 bars in town. Right. D- didn't make national headline. I didn't even know that he was in a bar fight. I mean, it was literally probably like three punches. He floored the guy. No cops, no arrests, <laughs> no detailed police report, nothing. But they knew about it. Yeah, yeah, they know. That's that's so. You're right. We'll we'll find out soon because someone will do their due diligence and and if they they look into it and they find it's nothing, then they'll absolutely make a move for him. And maybe if teams look into it and they find there is something, they uh they maybe they won't. And maybe you know maybe uh, maybe a team or two already has that we didn't know about, and perhaps that's why uh, Andy Dalton showed up somewhere that we may have not have thought or something. We just uh, like you said, I think. They these teams will know, and uh, um, it's it, does it is it just me or does it feel like there's been a lot more movement the last couple of years? I, I don't I don't or maybe bigger name people moving around, or uh, maybe it's just that we hear more about it. But uh, I guess the last the last couple and um, uh, one team I think that quietly has has done pretty well. Uh, Mike was a Browns team that we looked at last year, and I think their major major weakness was their secondary. A lot of people said the one thing you could do against the Browns is you can throw against them and their defense um, to the middle towards the back of their defense isn't that great. They improved that sort of quietly with uh, a couple nice additions from the Rams. Yeah, and to your point about you know more movement with bigger name guys, absolutely, 100%. And the reason for that is because we're seeing teams move off of guys faster at a faster mm-hmm. pace than ever before. Heck, 
a couple of weeks ago when I had Pop on the show, uh, Pop DiBiase, he and I were talking about how the Tennessee Titans moved on from their first-round pick from last year already. Uh, the Dolphins traded for him. Not sure that's a good move for the Dolphins. I think that's a big undertaking for them because this guy is kind of nuts. Dory. Yeah. You know, the but, they, but they, they moved off. <laughs> I, have, I don't think I've, I've seen a first-rounder get moved off of that wasn't like indicted or have a huge criminal complaint against him, you know, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, NFL teams are moving off of guys quicker than ever before, because if you don't move somebody and he hurts your team, you're going to lose your job. So uh, I'd rather be his job than my job, I think, is the mentality from the front office. So, Gino, let's take a quick commercial break and talk some AL East baseball right after this quick commercial break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies radio show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here, Mike. Uh, talk about a, another show. We got to bounce all around. You hit some college basketball in the opener. We're talking some baseball. We'll get back into more baseball. We were going through NFL free agency on uh, just a loaded sports episode of the Mike Abadir show. Um, so you were talking uh, a little about the AL East right before uh, the break, before I jump back in. You want to head back there, uh, talk some yeah, more baseball? Yeah, let's, let's, let's do so. Uh, I was mentioning, by the way, Gino. That is very interesting to me that the Boston Red Sox, who actually feel good going into the season, um, you know, they're not the favorite to win the division, but they feel that they should be. And I think they've got a couple of good reasons why they should feel that way. But before we get into that, I was making the, the point that I don't think I've ever seen a championship outfield all get moved in so such quickly. a short time frame. So quickly. Right. Obviously, bets we all know about. JBJ, Jackie Bradley is with the Brewers. Andrew Benatendi is with the Royals. 
he's a real nice hitter and underrated defensively, underrated arm, underrated fielder. Uh, but they're all gone. The, the Red Sox completely have retooled their outfield. I don't think I've ever seen that, Gino, with a championship outfield. An outfield that got a lot of the credit, really, for, for winning the World Series. You remember the huge series against the Astros that JBJ had? Monster series, monster game clincher. And uh, Betts, obviously, was huge. Benetende had some really nice hits. He was very consistent throughout the entire playoff run. And obviously, their fielding got a lot of attention during the whole run. They're all gone. It is a very new kind of team uh, when you look at their outfield with, you know, Frenchie Cordero, Alex Verdugo, who hasn't played a ton of games for Boston, and then Hunter Renfro. Um, those are going to be new pieces. You've got Kiki Hernandez coming in. Uh, Bobby Dalbeck is going to, you know, be getting a lot of ABs here. And so those are a lot of players in the Red Sox lineup. I think the biggest thing about them this year is they're just going to sort of be going into the year a little bit of an unknown because of that. And I think when you look at their pitching staff, With Eduardo Rodriguez and Evaldi towards the top, um, you could see like excellent years from those two guys. You could see guys that are, you know, have years that are more in line with like number three or four starters. Garrett Richards could be someone who could be literally like number one type stuff when he's on his best. And then you got a couple guys at the back of the rotation who will fill up some innings. So uh, this is one of the more like really interesting teams to me this year because I could see this team absolutely going either way. Um, I think their lineup will keep them at not from being terrible, but with their pitching, I still have a lot of question marks about their pitching staff. Uh, their starting staff. I feel like the, the bullpen's a little bit better. Okay. So here's my take on them. And the reason I said why they might be a little bit more optimistic than maybe the, uh, analysts and pundits, uh, are or even maybe some of the analytics are is because when you the Red Sox have made a decision we're going to build our team on Devers and Bogarts back and for as long as we have JD Martinez okay so now here's my question for you G how many home runs have they lost moving on from Betts JBJ and Benatende and bringing in Frenchie, Verdugo, and Renfro. Because I'm going to argue that it might be a wash. Yeah, no, I mean... Heck, it might even be a little bit more home run-wise, right? So the next question is, okay, how about runs? You know, Betts, I mean, he's the league leader or uh, the top five in runs every single year. But Benetendi and JBJ were not. JBJ is not known for his on-base percentage even, right? He's there mostly for his glove and streaky hitting. Right. So runs wise, could Cordero, Verdugo and Renfro match the total number of runs? I'd say it's possible. And then he added Kike, who can blast the ball. Looks like he's going to get maybe more at bats than he ever was with the Dodgers. So I don't know if they're going to lose anything offensively, Gino. I know I that sounds crazy Yeah, and because the names aren't necessarily there. But you know one thing they did? They shed hundreds of millions of dollars. I don't think offensively they're going to be weak. If you told me they were a top five club in a lot of the offensive metrics, it wouldn't surprise me. I think they'll probably be more like a top 10 club in a lot of the offensive metrics. And like you said, I don't think they will be quite as number one in a lot of things, but if, but I don't think they're going to be bad or even a a below average team. So when you're getting the sort of production for a lot less, um, it's just, 
if they had a, a more pitching that I trusted, I'm worried if something happened to like Eduardo Rodriguez, like Ivaldi is what we've seen. He's a World Series hero, but then he's a guy who could have a four plus five ERA, and we really don't know which version of him we're going to get. Sometimes uh, the their best version of their pitching staff put together with their lineup, absolutely, I think they could compete. Um, for a playoff spot and for the top of a, a division. But it's there, impossible to know, right? Because yeah, it is. it's it the is. most unheard of pitching staff I've ever seen the Red Sox field. Yeah. And, and their number one wasn't even in the United States. Yeah. Right? The number one until Chris Sale comes, that is, of course. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it, man. I mean, this pitching staff, one through five, I cannot tell you what they're going to do. I really, really cannot. Uh, if they're average... You know, I that's think then the Red Sox win eighty-four, eighty-five games. And so, if they're yeah. well above average, then they might get into the high eighties. And if they surprise and Chris Sale comes back at a reasonable time, maybe it's a ninety-win team. Maybe that's uh, some optimism from a Red Sox fan that's a little bit biased, perhaps. But they shed a lot of money, so and Boston's not a poor team. So I'm willing to wait this out and see what their plan is. You know, do they fire away um, at guys during the All-Star break? I don't know, because they have a depleted farm system, G. So you just got a few guys. I don't know if you want to get rid of them right away, but maybe you do because you already have shed so much payroll and you can add some. I don't know. We'll see. You wonder if Tampa comes back to life a little bit, losing a couple of big pitchers um, for them. So they'll have to do a little more mixing and matching this year. They still have glass now. Um, Yarborough is going to have to play a lot bigger role for the for them this year. They brought in Waka, Archer. You really don't. What, what are you going to get from Archer? Um, and then Rich Hill at the. So I think their team may not quite be as dominant. And I think they're they're a team that was very aided by the shortened season last year. Because they're the type of team that could do a lot of mixing and matching here. They didn't, um, even though they, they would score a ton of runs, that wasn't going to be a, that big of an issue for them. Um, in a longer year, it might be it might be tough. Um, you get a, a, an injury or two, or your depth starts to get a little bit depleted, and then you don't have the offense to carry you day in, day out. So I think they actually do come come back to life a little bit. The team I think that, that Boston may sort of look at as a team that... Um, People can either think is on the up uh, upswing, or, or they may think is on the upswing. Is a team that's that's young and uh, a Blue Jays team. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And my my one comment about Tampa is they are them and the A's in my mind are the two best run organizations in all of baseball, and they are two of the most hampered financially teams in all of baseball. So I I'm. I will no longer make the fatal mistake of underestimating them. You know, if they bring up guys or they trade for guys, that's going to tell me that they have not peaked. That that player, we're going to get more out of him than last year's stat sheet showed us. So I, I think their pitching staff gets my benefit of the doubt. And you get a full season now from uh, Randy Rosarena uh, and Austin Meadows, who was a little bit banged up. He's got... He was the Pittsburgh Pirates' number one prospect, and we saw some of that with Tampa um, in the last couple of years. He's a little bit injury-prone. As it relates to the Blue Jays, though, this is a team where the individual players that got called up got a lot of hype because of who their fathers were and how dominant these guys were in the minors. 
I can't tell you right now who is the best or who will be the best, but it's a very, very exciting team. There's yeah, no doubt about that. And this you add Springer to them. Has names. You add Springer to that. You add Marcus Simeon, who is an MVP candidate to, to that lineup as well. So you got uh, some vets with some of those young guys. Absolutely. They brought in closer. And by one, one bigger, one big guy name is uh, Kirby Yates, the closer. Huge. Huge move for them. I know we only have a couple minutes left, so we'll, well, I'm sure we'll talk a little more AL East because we still talk. We'll talk the Yankees uh, for a, a quick second after this. But yeah, you got Ryu, Robbie Ray, Tanner Rourke, and Mats. That's not a bad one through four there, um, where you're not going to be necessarily sending someone out um, that that's just a bad starting pitcher every couple days. So I, I like the the build of this team. Um, I think them and, and the Red Sox are sort of the fun teams to look at if you're looking at against the Yankees, because I, I think the Rays are going to come back to, to life a little bit this year. Yeah, completely agree. So uh, speaking of the Yankees, you know, um, I, I guess they're worthy of, of uh, favoritism. The reason I, I have a question about it is just because um, their pitching staff after Garrett Cole, what do we get out of Kluber? That's the question, you, right? What do we get out of Jamison Talon, who is, Italian. Uh, yeah. you know, Italian. Uh, average maybe? Jordan Montgomery, you're not going to have Luis Severino, right? The the two and threes are such could be like high floor, low ceiling. I mean, you could anything. If you told me Kluber bounced back, there was a he's in a good spot. They, he gets a lot of wins because this team scores a ton of runs. I wouldn't be shocked. Italian too, their their ability, but they've had physical issues that sometimes are really really tough to bounce back from. Um, and and then their lineup, you know, they've one year you get hurt. Two years you get hurt, you start to wonder. Maybe some of these players are a little um, uh, more injury prone and, and have a tough time getting through a long season because we've seen them struggle with injuries the last few years. They need their big boppers in the lineup if they want to win games because they're built on their offense. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And and then the last team obviously is the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, you know, they're they're a team that is re- in a deep rebuild mode. I'm not sure what their plan is. Uh, we'll have to bring on our Orioles correspondent, who used to be our Red Sox correspondent, who still is the Red Sox correspondent. Uh, um, but, you know, last, but with more wins, is that a fair conclusion? Yeah. Last, but more fair. wins than last year. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> cool. Um, hey, do you have a March Madness winner? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's, Gonzaga will be tough, but I'm going to go a little outside the box. I like Houston. I think Houston's got Ooh. a good draw. They're a team that's a little sneaky no one's talking about. I've also got Texas in my final four. Gonzaga, Baylor, Texas, and Houston. Interesting. Okay. I've got a kind of a chalky final four. Um, Gonzaga, Baylor, Ohio State, and USC. Look at that. Look at that. But I got Gonzaga winning it all. Um, and uh, on that note, March Madness Tournament, I already announced at the beginning of the show, it's our annual big contest, free for anybody to join. Look out for my tweets or Gino's tweets. We'll tweet about it again one more time. That's all the time we have, G. Fun show. Thank you. Good luck, everyone. And calling us from the uh, Mackey Arena right before tip-off here. Good luck to SC, to the Bruins, and to you with your brackets. Thank you for listening. We'll see you same time, same place next week.
Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week. Oh,